0: If this is your first time here, you're very, very welcome. If you're an old hand, you've been here for a while, you're also very welcome. I think we've got a lot of sickness or a lot of people away, but we're definitely quieter this morning than normal. But you're here, and I'm excited about this morning's message. Do you know why I'm excited about this morning's message? Um, Yes. We're going to see if we're going to bring some fire. But uh, I, I, I want to tell you, in case you hadn't noticed, some of us were in Israel the last 10 days. Anybody notice that? No, I haven't noticed it. (laughs) I haven't noticed it. Also, we met Asman's twin brother over there. I kid you not. Three of us turned a corner and Asman was standing in the street and we were all like, Asman? And then we realized it wasn't him. Honestly, I've got photographs. I should have put the photograph up. It was was really good. Um, But no, um, it was terrible. It really was. It was just awful. You don't want to go. No, I want to say a couple of things just about about that. First of all, we had a great team that went away and... um, um, I think lives were changed in touch but um, uh, we're talking about holy fire this morning and um, I want to just share a little bit about some observations that we had when we were away. Um, a couple of real special moments that happened um, uh, and some people really impacted on our team. Um, it's kind of interesting when you go to the Galilee or go to Jerusalem and you, you walk in the places that Jesus um, moved in um, all of a sudden the scripture comes alive. You know you'll have read in Psalms a thousand times that God makes, um, you know, the deserts dry and where he lands, and he makes the salt plains. He makes wells, salt plain, and then you go to the Dead Sea and you go to Engedi and you realise, oh my goodness, that Sam means something entirely different now, because you build context for it. And uh, it's kind of interesting. I should, I recommend you all go. I'm going to take another trip next year. I would say get in early, start saving now. Um, but um, a couple of things that were very obvious uh, when. When you think about the things of god when you think about the spirit of god that were, were really interesting first of all there was an oasis in the middle of demonic activity um everywhere we went in jerusalem if you know anything about jerusalem and its history it's been fought over for longer than northern ireland and um uh, but above the atmospheres is ripping and tearing and and you can you can be in one very modern place and next thing you're in the middle east within 20 minutes we walked 68 miles i think something like that the whole time we were there I'm not sure we lost any weight because we, we had our eternity in that as well. But um, uh, one of the things that were very obvious, in the middle of Jerusalem, every now and again, you would just go in somewhere. Like we went to the well of Bethesda, and there's an old church there called St. John's Church. And you'll have seen this maybe before, but there's a there's an automatic acoustic inside the building. And Pat so thankfully led us, rather than me leading us in, in worship, Pat led us. And the acoustics were incredible. And in the middle of this really dry parched place was this incredible oasis of God's spirit. We think the well of Bethesda is a little circle well. No, this thing's huge. And, uh, you know, and then there's other place you go to the garden tomb where people are consistently worshiping, worshiping and worshiping. And you walk in in the middle of Jerusalem to this little uh, place that's surrounded by people in there from all over the world coming together to worship. Is it Jesus' tomb? We're not sure, it doesn't really matter. But when you go in there and you experience that Spirit of God was there, we went to the place where it looks like a skull just outside the southern gate, which would probably where Jesus would have been crucified. And you see the picture of the skull and you look at it in the side of the mountain. And in all of that, the reality of the gospel comes clear. And then you go to the Galilee. And last Sunday morning, I can't even begin to explain to you what the presence of Jesus is like as we went out on a boat on the Sea of Galilee. We sang two songs in the boat that you sang Later at church after us because we were two hours ahead of you It was quite interesting and uh, but when you stand in there and the presence of God comes but I think the highlight for me was when we went to the the temple steps and you know anything about the temple I've studied it in history there's 600 meters long step that goes right down to the pool of shallow and what happened was they would come in and they'd wash themselves after after they would and then they would walk up the steps into the temple and they would go through the beautiful gate and their double set of arched gates and we spent time on the steps at the beautiful gates. This is where Jesus healed, healed the blind man and there was lots of healings and lots of activity around that place. But um, I tell you, Florence Walker got her tongues and Jillian uh, uh, Cook got absolutely hit hard with the Spirit of God, fell over like a bag of spuds and laughed for 10 minutes and we were like, yes. And, uh, but it was just one of those places when you're in the, the, in the middle of this city that's been torn apart. When you walk in through the ruins and you look up to the, the temple place where, where, where the, 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 the people who call to worship, when you hear the valleys will ring of the sound of your place, you understand why. Because the natural acoustics in the valley of the Kidron Valley call to worship. And there's anointing and presence in all of these places. And then you go to Galilee and you walk around the places and you walk into Capernaum. And you walk into into the synagogue at Capernaum and then you open the scriptures in John and you read, and Jesus walked into the synagogue at Capernaum, sat down in the high high, high seat and began to read from Messiah. And you walk into the very same place and there's the back of your neck stand up. Why am I saying that? Well, because it was really good to go and see those places. But what I realized was, is that when I come back to journey this morning, I feel the same way. That, that you don't have to go to these places. You don't have to follow the footsteps of Jesus in order to experience the presence of God. And I think sometimes that, that we go chasing the presence of God when you're a carrier of the presence of God. And that's what I want to talk about today. You see, there's a fire inside of me that I can't put out. Some people wish it would go out. <laughs> but there's a fire inside of me that won't go out and God won't let me step back from it. And my job is to put that fire inside of you. That's what the commission is. It's to go and make disciples. Well, what are disciples? Well, people who follow Jesus. And then what? Equip them for acts of service. And the problem is that is we become a taking church. And we have to start not just being a taking church. We have to take and then give. And sometimes we get lost in that. And I want to challenge you over the next couple of weeks as we begin to bring in um, some of the Bethel guys. And it's going to get rowdy in here over the next few weeks. I'm, I'm telling you straight now, so if you want somebody to get filled with the Holy Spirit, you will have somebody will definitely slap a hand in your head, and, and we want you to get every gift that God has for you, but I I, I want to I talk a little bit today about the Holy Spirit, but I want to do something first, all right? My amazing team, I've been wanting a shofar for a long time, and anybody who knows me knows the story of my shofar, I've had an angel come and visit me a couple of times. I don't say that to too many people because you think you're nuts, but seriously, I've never seen him. He hides behind the curtain in our bedroom and all I see out the curtain is a big long shofar. And he blows the shofar and I get teleported into a dream. Now, much to Aaron's disgust, who plays the trumpet very well, I've been learning how to blow this so this is, this is what they did, you know, and we, we, weren't, we rushed home thinking that on the Sabbath this particular day that, because the, sho- the chauffeurs would normally sign on Friday night at sunset, 14 minutes before the sun goes down, they, they, they blow the chauffeurs, but we rushed like crazy back from the Dead Sea to get back and realize that it only happens during Rosh Hashanah, which happens in, uh, for two weeks over November, we happened to be there the last time, so really disappointed not to hear the chauffeurs all over Jerusalem, it's quite special when you hear everybody a call when the Sabbath goes down, but I'm going to have a go at this, all right? Now, here's what I want you to do. Sometimes this creates, I think, a sound of heaven. That's just my own opinion. All right? Making me laugh. Say, I'm so thankful. I just told them to get a normally one, but they, they got me one with silver and gold on it. Look, it's all special. Anyway, thanks, thanks to those guys. Really good. If you want to blow, so far, I haven't got any germs. Uh, Aaron did. <laughs> you can have a go at that. Anyway, um, I wonder if you ever thought about who the Holy Spirit is. I think sometimes we talk about the Holy Spirit like a it. The Holy Spirit's not a it, he's a he. he's an identity. He's a presence, tangible presence of God. Uh, Jesus said that I can only be here in earthly form, but if I don't go to heaven, you won't be able to release all of this. And when the temple was torn open, the Bible says that that we see uh, characteristics of the Holy Spirit through scripture. It says he descends like a dove. The Bible says that he baptizes with fire. What does that mean? He comforts, he guides, and he corrects. He's the spirit of life, the spirit of truth. He's the voice of God. When you're sitting struggling with something and you hear that still quiet voice in your ear, it's the spirit of God speaking to you. When you're alone, lost, and afraid, he carries you home. There's something that the spirit does inside of you that makes you feel like you're in and you belong and makes an excitement. Over and over again, the Bible mentions the Holy Spirit. In fact, the spirit of God is mentioned 800 times in scripture. The spirit of God is mentioned in the very second uh, verse of the Bible. In Genesis chapter one, verse two, it said this. Now the earth was formless and void and the darkness was over the surface of the deep. The spirit of God was hovering over the waters. This word's translated spirit is the Old Testament word for ruach. Everybody say ruach. 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 It's rock. And uh, it very literally means a wind or a breath or a violent exaltation or a blast of breath. And the Holy Spirit, he comes in power. Every encounter in scripture, the Holy Spirit came to empower people. The New Testament, the Greek word translated spirit is the word pneuma, pneuma. Everybody say pneuma. Pneuma. And it means wind or a current of air or a blast of breath. In the Old Testament, the spirit of God would come on people. He would descend upon them and then he would depart. He would come for a period of time and equip them for something and then he would leave them. And you can read clearly um, when David... uh, um, um, Uh, when the Spirit of God came on Saul and he he was anointed. And then we see the same in David. When David sinned against God with Bathsheba, he cried out to God, God, please do not take your spirit from me. And then we see in the New Testament that once Jesus left, that the Holy Spirit came on the believers in Christ and the Holy Spirit will never leave us nor forsake us. Now, here's the thing. He never said that you wouldn't leave or forsake him. Don't confuse the two. I believe that when you get the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God does not do the hokey-cokey. I believe that when you get the spirit of God, you cannot, you cannot lose it. The Bible says his gifts are are, are irrevocable. That when you get the Holy Spirit, he don't leave you. Now what you do with that, what you steward that within you is entirely up to you. In the New Testament, you can see the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus in the form of a dove. We see the Holy Spirit filling people of God in Pentecost. He empowered them to speak in tongues and do all sorts of miraculous words. The Holy Spirit empowered people with spiritual gifts to live a spiritual life in order to do what? To build the church. And we're not meant to hide these things, we're meant to be excited about them. And the Holy Spirit also gives people an increased sense of these fruits of the Spirit in your life. What are they? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. You see, all these things the Bible says there's no law against. Who wouldn't want more of those in their lives? The Holy Spirit gives you those. And so many people live a spiritless life when God wants you to live a Spirit-filled life. A spirit-filled life with power, power encounters, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Anybody agree with me today? I'm glad some of you do. Uh, Have you ever watched the movies The Incredibles? Anybody ever seen The Incredibles? Yeah, a few of you have seen it. Who hasn't seen it? All right, well, you don't know what I'm talking about. All right. But there's this family who live in a normal street and they've all got superpowers. And uh, even the kids have got all these superpowers and, and by night they dress up and they defeat their, their evil nemesis. And uh, it's, it's really funny because I think sometimes we think other people are like the Incredibles. And I think sometimes we look at other people like, well, well they're, the, they're the family that's got it. Or, or, or they're the group of people that have all the superpowers. But actually, I think that's how the church looks at it sometimes. I think we look at a bunch of people who seem to be more anointed than you. Um, and that somehow you, 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 you step back out of that and rely on the Incredibles in church to do all the, all the ministry, all right? I, if I could get anything over to you today, I want you to leave here with the faith of Mr. Incredible. I want you to say to yourself, I wanna be like Mr. and Mrs. Incredible of your kid. I don't remember what their names are but I want you to be like that. Why? Because there's a mindset shift has to take place. and I want to talk a little bit about that mind shift, what, what happens. Have you ever considered yourself that, 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 have you ever thought about yourself that God can, will, and does use you for miracles and acts of healing? Do, 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 you know, you, you, I, I know we know it, but, but I'm just learning that an awful lot of people know an awful lot of things in their head, but don't know an awful lot of things in their heart. You know, the 17-inch journey from here to here. It's like, how do we get what I know into the heart that I live it? And, and I really believe God wants to, to teach the church today. Why? Because the world is trying its darndest to rob us of everything. You know what I love? It will never rob us of the Spirit of God because it can't. Do you know what, do you know what I love? It doesn't understand. The world doesn't understand the Spirit of God. But you do. Jesus said that. He said, the the world will not understand these things, but you will. Why? Because you know me, and you know my spirit, and my spirit lives in you. And some of you don't know that. Or at least you get filled with the spirit the day you get saved, and you've been kind of lingering around, kind of thinking that's it. Well, what if God has got so much more for you than you could ever imagine? What What happens if there's a secret miracle worker in you? for the gift of healing, and you've never prayed for anybody for the gift of healing, but God's already given to you and you're not using it? You see, in a church like ours, we can do prophecy well, speak in tongues well, we can do interpret. We can do a whole lot of things on the gifts of the Spirit, but when it goes to the ones that require faith and stepping out, we say, well, well, no, that's not for me. We can't." What happens if you've got a gift that, that this community in this place needs and you're not activated in it? I'm not saying that to beat job. I'm just saying that that could be the reality. I know the gifts that God's given me. There's days I go, God, I, you know, why can't we have kingdom come last year in August? And we invite a house of miracles like Bethel and, 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 and an upper room in, and they bring something where we see over 50 healings. And they leave, and we go back to speaking in tongues and prophesying. And hear me, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you've got faith for that, that's all this house will ever have. Why? Because we say, well, I've got to go to Bethel to find that. No. You, 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 you see, when you have a culture of miracles, we have a culture of prophecy, we have a culture of worship here. We've, we've got many cultures of the things of spirit. When you go to Jerusalem, you go to Galilee, there's cultures. Well, what is that? Well, one culture when you're walking in, 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 the, in the Arab section where, where it just doesn't feel the same. You kind of walk through these places and if you're a feeler like me, you, you sense, oh, this is just something not right. It's the feeling you used to get when you drove into Antrim. And remember that? Yes. You know, now when you drive into Antrim, when I go through those 30-mile-an-hour signs, I go, oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong? So, you know, and it's like there was days when Antrim was a place you drove through to get out. Why? We prayed and and the mindset just began to change. Do you know thousands of people? Rachel Rachel Henderson, is she here? Where is she? Rachel gave a word in 15D many years ago about the the castle gardens before they were done up and that thousands of people would come and there would be a reaching point. And, And now that prophecy is true. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people come to our town to see our beautiful garden. Why? Imagine people would come to get miracles. Imagine people would come to hear the gospel and have their lives transformed. Imagine people, people are coming from all over the world to be counseled here, which is miraculous and incredible. But imagine they would come because there's a revival has began to happen here in a way that has never happened in hundreds of years. And we're seeing a young generation, and I've said it a thousand times, Generation Z, Z, whatever you want to call it, will save our world. Because they're the fourth generation of three very screwed up generations that went before them. And it's the way history has worked and they are in a college in America spreading out where these young people will not let anybody who's older touch it. Amen. They won't let them touch it. Famous people have come to Ashby and said, we want to come and lead worship for you. We want to pray. The dean has said, no. It's a student move. If you touch it, it will end. And sometimes I think, you know, we, we, we had something else planned. And, and we, had, we decided to do a youth conference conference. Um, kind of as a second. And yet, God, I think, always knew that was the plan. And I actually really believe, I felt it, and I really believe it, that this youth conference is gonna start something in our young people. You know, David was telling me about our young people this week. When we, when, when we started our new youth uh, last September, a year and a half ago, I said, I don't wanna do any spiritual stuff with them. And was like, it's like, what do you mean? We've gotta do youth fashion. We've gotta, no spiritual stuff whatsoever. Just befriend them. And there was a few people a bit cranky about that. You know, there's a few, oh, I'm not sure. Just bring a bunch of kids in here and they have fun with them. And as they begin to come and they begin that, all of a sudden it's like, hey, why, why, do, you, why do you never talk to me about God? Why, what's this God thing about? And, and what you see is a gradual through relationship, people come in and now they're in fire. Some of our young people are more in fire than you that have given the gifts of the Spirit for 30 years. You see, what's fresh manna to someone who receives it fresh will be excited about it. But if you're relying on the interest from yesteryear, Toronto blessing, the 1859 revival, some of you are still hanging on to that. <laughs> That's just the Presbyterians. <laughs> Sorry, I apologize, my Presbyterian friends. I love the Presbyterian church. I can see it in the Presbyterian church, hallelujah. Um, but but the truth is this, is that... that Revival's not meant to be a fourth generation thing. It's a problem. We open a book and we're singing hymns from 300 years ago. Now, some of them are fantastic to sing. But if we are waiting on the interest from then to do something in you today, it's an old wineskin and you can't put new wine in an old wineskin. And God wants to put something fresh and new in you today. And if you keep hankering back to the old, you won't get anywhere. There's nothing in the past for you. There's good memories and 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 excitement and, and what but but it's today that we have to press in for. And some of you go in there, ah, been there, done that, got that t-shirt. No, you haven't. You need to get a new t-shirt. <laughs> you need to get a new stick of rock. You need to come for a fresh impartation. Why? Because because what happened to you 30 years ago was fantastic. But I'm telling you, God wants something for you today. <laughs> and, and and God you know, it's like, do you believe that you can work miracles? Yes. Yes. Now, let me ask that question again. Do you believe in here that you can work miracles? Yes. That's more like it. Now, here's the thing. All of you said that and you kind of go, I'm not sure. <laughs> it's true because we're Northern Ireland people and I know you. You ask Americans that, they believe it. They don't let go. What do we do? There's something in our culture that rubs us up from us and we got to knock it off. You have to move, to, here's a gift of, the gift of faith is a gift of the spirit. And faith, you know, if we joke, some of us went to try and walk on, walk on water. Our gift of faith was very weak. Because <laughs> we weren't sure whether we should take our shoes off before we should walk on it. We're big before we start. <laughs> Well, we sat around in Galilee and Eddie and, and Philip and Eddie and Pew, they found pottery. It's really cool. They've got, but they found all these bits of pottery in Capernaum at the pool and they were like picking them all up and brought them all home. So I think we've all them home <laughs> for them. So, you know, we've got special pottery from Jesus' day, but it's like, I, I just said it was a pottery class that was happening last week. They dumped them out in the sea. But anyway, it's, uh, um, but where was I? <laughs> Walking on water. Yes. You know, Eddie discovered something that blew my mind. Where we were standing in Tiberias, the book goes out from, from Gnosur, the beast of Gnosur. But anyway, it's a whole other story for another time. Anyway, there's a book goes out. And when they're out in the water, when the storm came, we discovered that Jesus walked four miles on water. So they'd gone some miles out and Jesus, appeared. Jesus walked for four miles on water. This wasn't just some wee trip out off the beach. He was in the middle of the, of the sea walking in water. How many of you believe you can walk in water? I have two of you. <laughs> Peter was the only crazy one that had enough faith to get out of that flipping boat. That's really cool. And if you have watched Chosen, I've been watching the Chosen series. Honestly, it's fantastic. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. And you, you you begin to get the contextualization of all of this. And God wants us to have a new mindset. You see, if you don't if you don't understand that 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 when you invite the Holy Spirit into your life, it's exciting, empowering, adventurous, miraculous, and it's a fun-filled life. You get more joy when you do the miracles. There's something happens when, when you're on those steps and you're praying for healing. We, we saw a Korean guy, and uh, big Paul says, hey, let's go over and pray for him. This Korean guy, and he hobbled up the steps, in his, uh, and we straight over, we're prophesying to him, we're praying, we're healing, and he's a bit awkward, and his mate's recording it all, and we're prophesying to him, the tears are tripping him, and he's getting prayed for her. And we had faith on the steps because we were in an environment that we knew a miracle had happened here. But I'm not looking for the miracle of Jesus' day. I'm looking for the miracle of my day. Right. And when the Spirit of God gives it to you, you've got to start activating it. But you're lazy. Yeah. You don't want to do it. And we don't get excitement about it. We watch everybody else get excited and you can get it riled up and we get, but, but you slip back into this place. Can I, can I, We we got to start thinking like world changers. We 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 got to start seeing normal Christianity, not something that you just go to on a Sunday, but something that's lived deep in your life that you express it, that you can't help it when you go to a shop or a chemist or work, it oozes out of you. That you take every opportunity to pray. That no matter how crazy or cray that they think you are. That you don't care anymore. You get into it and you go, hey, you know what? I'm going to keep going until I get a healing. John Member had a healing ministry. Prayed for 20 years before he got one healing. And he was still healing people when he was diagnosed with cancer. It doesn't happen overnight. But, but the gift of faith in you gets fanned in the flames. And This is meant to be a, you know, there's a couple of houses. Wait, how many of you know this is meant to be a house of, of acts? How many of you know your house at home is meant to be a house of acts? You know, there's these two houses in the scriptures, um, and you see them. There were there were houses of acts. You see Simon's house in Acts 9 and John Mark's house in Acts 12. It's crazy what happened in their houses. Angels were floating in and out. Dead bodies were being raised. Miracles were taking place. They had this house that, for some reason, God dwelled. And the people would come and go. I want this to be a house of acts. Why? Well, because How many of you know that Jesus said that signs and wonders would follow those who would believe? Let me say it again. Signs and wonders would follow those who would believe. You don't believe me? Let me read it. Mark 16. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Everybody say all creation. creation. That's confining because that doesn't say people. All creation. How do you preach the gospel to the stones? Can I tell you We learned it last week. When you've seen one old stone, you've seen a lot, okay? We saw some old stones last week. We walked through Hezekiah's tunnel that's in the scripture that was built 6,000 years ago. Unbelievable I have to think King Hezekiah walks through this. And you come in on there and you go, and then and then and then we, we had this tour guide who was showing us around the city of David, you know, once in Royal David, and it was just outside like of Jerusalem. And there's a palace there and he took us up to the high point and he's shown us in scripture. And I'll never forget whenever, you know when the Bible says the valleys will ring of the sound of your praise? I never understood that before. Now I do. Because we stood at the high point and down the Kidron Valley all the way to Bethlehem. You would shout, what was the word? Shlomo! Shlomo! And it would rumble down the valley. That's when the, the blue the the shofar, everybody knew. When they announced something, it went to the next person. That's how they, that's how they did text messages back in the day. <laughs> and and he, he was showing this. And, 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 and when God did something in all creation, slow-mo, it's like this proclamation that it doesn't matter who hears it, I'm going to pronounce it. And you need to get your head around that. It's not about the end result. It's about your faith activated in you. Stop thinking about results. Do you know, we, we used to pray for nobody and nobody got healed. And now we pray for everybody and some people get healed. I wish everybody get healed. I'd love to have that house that John Mark had where angels showed up and people got healed and, or, or, you know, Simon's house, Simon the Tanner. I mean, some random dude mentioned in the Bible from Caesarea where we were. and became a house in miracles. It became this place where people came to it and they got healed. Imagine people coming here to get healed because of a gift that you have that you've never used. And you don't pray for them. Hmm. Imagine there's a gift inside of you that you've never used that God wants to bring out of you. Imagine there's a gift inside of you. And this is what it said, Go to preach the gospel on all Christian. No, listen, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Not, not might be saved. Not not, not not, conditional. That's an erist in the language. Aorist means precise moment. It cannot be undone. If you believe and you're baptized, You are saved. He's not a God who throws you back into the sea after he saves you. I am absolutely convinced that once you're saved, you're always saved no matter what you do. Why? Because you had nothing to do with your salvation. You might think you did, but you didn't. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons, speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. Not sure about that one. They will drink deadly poison and will not hurt them at all. And they will place their hands on the people who are ill and they will get well. Now, hear me. There's no snakes coming in here anytime soon. All right? But that's a bit of an anomaly verse in there. But why is it in there? Well, because there's something that a believer is meant to have follow them. What is it? It's not just for Mr. Incredible. It's for those who... Are you believers? Yes. Who's it for? Us. Do you believe it? Yes. No. <laughs> imagine you had a home in this place, every home time we on. Imagine every home in our church was a place that somebody could come to, they get prayed and they get healed when they leave. I, I actually believe that's possible. I imagine that when you have a conversation with someone about Christ, that rather than being critical, they actually go, you know what? I'm interested in that. Do you know what I've discovered? People are so freaking interested in God right now. Because the world is so lunaticically crazy right now. It has so lost its way. What are people looking for? A straight path. Can I just say something? In the Bible, when the when Jesus said he'll make your path straight, I now understand what he meant by that. Because there is not one straight path in Jerusalem. There's not one straight path in Galilee, and it's either up or down, there's no in between. So when Jesus said, you know, I'll make your path straight, I can't understand what he meant now because he was one fit lad, I'm telling you. Where was I? (laughs) Imagine that we had your home and people came to it and got healed every single time somebody came. You don't believe it. You say you do, but you don't. But imagine if you did. For a moment, imagine that you caught something that would change. Let me just give you something. I'm gonna invite the worship team. I'm gonna have communion and I have i could preach preaching this all day long. Signs, wonders, and miracles seem to put people in turmoil. Why, why, why do people, you know, people talk to me all the time about charismatic and supernatural life and supernatural ministry. And I'm going, what did you expect? You know, like like there's a, there's a bunch of Christians right now and they get a bit of traction, but they're dispensationalists. What does that mean? Well, they believe that that after the Acts all died off, that the Bible came into being and that the gifts of the Spirit and the things like prophecy are no longer needed for today. I personally think they're heretics, but they would say I'm a heretic, but actually I think they're the heretics, but that's a whole other story for another time. And there is a general consensus in some theological realm that says that these things are not meant to be used today. And unfortunately, if you grew up in a Northern Ireland church, it's affected you. It's, it's in your system, in your blood, unless you grew up like some people who I know who grew up in the charismatic church their whole lives and they don't understand what I'm talking about. But if you've come from any kind of religious background, you know what I'm talking about. Can I say there's a couple of things that will stop this happening for you? And, and really quickly, first of all, unbelief. Well, what is unbelief? You ready? Cynicism, doubt, skepticism, suspicion, denial, and rejection. That just sounds like a Northern Irish person. (laughs) Let me just say that again. Unbelief, cynicism, doubt, skepticism, suspicion, denial, and rejection. Anybody know who I'm talking about? Nobody knows who I'm talking about, right? Because that's not us. And then there's all these other emotions, you see, that we have that affect us. You see, we've got these accused emotions that stop us moving into things of the spirit. First of all, we've got guilt. Guilt happens when we accuse ourselves when, when we feel bad because something inside that we've done that we shouldn't have done, we just feel bad. Can not tell you something? Guilt will stop you moving in the things of God. Shame. Shame is when we feel other people are accusing us and judging us. And, and, and it's like we want the floor to swallow us up and hide. Do you know this country is more full of shame? Oh, it's so full of Shame. And where does shame ultimately land? In religion. And and these things accuse us and they stop a sense of sinfulness. I can't come before God because I've done something so wrong. And there is a ton of things that will stop us moving into the fullness of God. Religion. Never underestimate the amount of religion that have been brought up in the church in Northern Ireland that's in you. And all of these things will quench the spirit of God inside of you. But the Bible says just a little faith. A little tiny mustard seed. Just a little bit of faith. A tiny little amount. Maybe, just maybe, something's coming. Something good's going to happen. And I'm not talking about the wishful thinking that we all hear about revival. But that maybe God would just allow a little mustard seed. Just to begin to grow within you. And And then you come for prayer. And one of our prayer ministry team dumps a pile of water onto it. Come on, God, water this seed. Make it grow. Make it grow. And it begins to grow, and all of a sudden, life begins to get formed inside of you, and you, you begin to get tingled, and you begin to get excited, and you begin to feel the presence of God rising up inside of you, and you begin to get this little bit of faith that, Do you know what, I've been praying for this friend of mine, and I'm going to pray for them tomorrow when I go into school. I've watched my wife go on a little bit of a journey over the last few while. They've started a prayer meeting on a Friday morning, and she says, I'm going to pray for my principal. I'm going to put hands on her and I'm going to pray for her. Why? Just a little bit of faith in someone who's like, hmm, I'm not sure she's going to take that too well. But you know what? I'm, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to, going to pursue it. And just a little seed begins to grow. And, and and one day she'll put her hands on her and she'll get filled with the Spirit of God, right? Because that's what happens when you let a little, a little mustard seed begin to grow inside of you. Can, can I just... Can I get one tiny mustard seed inside of you this morning? Will will you take a little mustard seed and put it inside your belly and put your fingers in there and push it in and say, God, will you make this little seed grow in me? To give me faith, to give me hope, to give me power, to empower me for a supernatural life that I know you've called me to. I don't want to think about it anymore. I want to live it. I don't wanna I don't wanna stay in that place anymore. I want it to burn in me, that it bursts out of me, that streams of living water will just flow through this place and people will heal, restored, and delivered. Or that you get a little pilot flame. I lived in a caravan for two years. God help me, please Jesus, I never want to do that again. Caravanners, bless your soul. But in those stupid caravans with these little pilot lights, a little flame. And they're burn all the time. And they're burning all the time. And if you're a Christian and a believer, you've got a flame inside of you. And it burns all the time. But every now and again, you've got to come along and you gotta push a button, click, 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 and you rat it rip. And then you hear this whoosh. Is there a little flame inside of you that's burned, that's never been turned on? Can we get it this morning? Just a little bit. I am so so out of time. <laughs> you know, we, we're going to do communion, but we're going to do it differently this morning. I didn't say half the things I wanted to say this morning. But I, I long for the day of the promise that God gave me 17 years ago. And he said, out of a town like Antrim, good things would come and the world would come to see it. And the world is coming to see it. We have 60 people from around the world coming in next week. I think in my last count we've about 700 clients over the past year on our books for counselling all over the world. We, we've, we've built that. In two weeks time, There's a whole bunch of young people gonna come into this church and they're gonna experience a whole bunch of young people who live in a culture of miracles. And and, and hopefully those young people will capture something in a way that they never have before. But what about you? you? What do you want? This starts with passion and hunger. It can only start there. And there has to be something of sacrifice within you that says, I'm going to put my own apprehensions, fears, shame, guilt, worry, cynicism down. And just maybe, just maybe that little faith. I could tell you a hundred stories of one person who is almost nameless to this day, who led people like Reinhard Bunkley to Jesus who led people like Jeremiah McNeely to Jesus, a little old lady who prayed for young, a young man for years in Kells. Nobody knows her name, but she prayed for a young man who went on to see thousands of people come to Jesus. Well, have you ever thought that just one conversation with you could release Billy Graham again? One, one thing inside of you set a light could start something that would cause a world revival. Hey, you ready for this? That one thing inside of you would raise someone from the dead. That's, that's the decision. Don't take that up with God. He said, these are signs that would follow believers. What? He'll cast out demons and raise the dead and preach the gospel. I didn't say it, he did. There's not like too many people down at Baird's there given the come out thing going on, you know? And yet we have to have faith for it. Why? I've prayed for many people to be raised from the dead. I've not seen anybody yet. You have to get them this side of embalming, by the way. Okay? The other side's no good. You've got to get them this side, all right? Now, if that freaks you out, it should. Because the Spirit of God is so supernatural, so supernatural that it's beyond our comprehension. Because if it wasn't supernatural, it would just be natural and be in our comprehension the fact that it confounds the wise it confounds the wise shows you how real God is I want to bring our ministry team up I'm going to move this front row of chairs back I know we're out of time Uh, communion's going to be here if you want to come and take it it's going to be a bit of a melee today okay alright but here's what I want to do and everybody gets nervous at this point if you get nervous you should come to the front All alright if you've got nervous or you're kind of going, oh, he, oh, you know that should it go, should it not kind of thing? Hey, may, may anybody ever been at a prayer meeting for the first time they prayed? I remember mine like it was yesterday. I spent seven weeks at the back of First Antrim trying to pray out loud. And you're sitting there going, getting the courage up to go. And you just pluck up the courage and you're about to start and somebody else starts. And you give up. Today is one of those Sundays for you to come forward. And we're going to pray for you and we're going to pray that God will either give you a mustard seed to grow or a, the flame that's in you that's been burning for a long time to burst into flames. And we're going to ask God to give you gifts and baptize you in fire. That's what the Bible says. And if you want that this morning, you come hungry and run for it. You can lie on the floor, laugh, cry, do what you like around here. We don't really care. I promise you, nobody will push you over. If you're going down, you're going down because the presence of God has touched you you can come and take communion after that or before that or during it, whatever, I don't really mind but I want you to stand right now and I want you to say this, I want you to put your hands in your belly and I want you to say God fan in the flame the flame within me, that it would never go out, that I would be a miracle worker a gospel preacher and that signs and wonders would follow me all the days of my life If you want that now, we got a prayer team. Come hungry, come get it. We're going to go back into worship and then we'll see where we're at after that. Amen.